let's go ahead and stand and read God's word. Uh, last one, we're, we're finishing up our Overcomer series. How many of y'all has, has been helpful walking through the armor, spiritual warfare? Has this been helpful for you? Yeah? So want, want us to internalize this and let this be a part of the cadence of our life because where we're going in 2020, it's going to require for us to literally put on the, the, the armor that we have in union with Jesus. Amen? Uh, we need it. Okay, and so uh, he's given it to us. So let's go ahead and read together. One, two, three. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert of all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make it known with boldness and the mystery of the Amen. Our spiritual tattoo is your prayer life is essential. Everybody say essential. 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 Amen. To overcome in the battle. Your prayer life is essential to overcome in the battle. Father, we thank you for your word. We anticipate, Lord God, a word from you because, Father, if we're honest, our prayer life is probably a little cold in seasons. God, we need to be lit on fire by your spirit. Holy Spirit, throw the weight of Jesus' glory all around in this room. Uh, Bring healing where we're hurt. Bring endurance where we're fatigued. Bring help where we're weak. Thank you that you are our helper. Lord, I love the fact that you're our helper, Lord. You're the source of our strength. And so, Lord, we know that you're our helper. Whether we have it in other areas that the world will say, you need this to find your help, Lord God. We know when it comes down to it that you're our helper. So help us, Holy Father, today to understand your word, to grasp what it means to walk in gospel obedience, and to grow to be a praying church. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's been a story, story that's been told of a young boy and his father. And as this young boy and his father are together, there's a big log in front of them. And they need to move the log. And so there comes a a time where the father comes and says, Son, move this log and you have everything. Use whatever you have at your disposal to move this log. So the son grabs it. And I can imagine Zachariah, you know, trying to pick up the biggest, heaviest box. And this son is taking and he's trying every way he can to lift the log. And he can't quite get it to move. And so... The father reiterates, son, use everything at your disposal to move this log. So the son is trying different stances. And you can imagine him trying to get creative and pushing and taking a rock and hitting it and trying to figure out how can he move this rock. And the father continues to reiterate, son, use everything at your disposal that you have to move this rock. So the son continues on, and finally the father steps in and says, son, I've, I've mentioned that you can use everything at your disposal, but you haven't asked me. So the father comes alongside, and he takes the log with the son, and he moves the log. And I think it's interesting when we think about that, that's often how we live our lives in relation to prayer. God is saying, I'm calling you to this. I I, I want you to walk in gospel obedience. I want you to do this. I have this before you to be a blessing to the nations, to be a blessing to our community. And so what do we do? We celebrate in the great salvation. And then we go in our own understanding and we try to do it in our own strength. And God is sitting here and saying, use everything you have at your disposal. But we're forgetting like the son that the father is there to actually do through us what we can't do on our own. Isn't that kind of like our prayer lives? We have everything available, but we don't make use of everything at our disposal because we don't know the one who is able to move the things before us to make kingdom expansion happen. And so I think it's interesting as we dive into, uh, as we wrap up this section of Ephesians, uh, it starts in chapter 6, verse 10. Remember what it started with. He says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast 
strength, right? So he starts with saying you need to draw your strength from the Lord because the spiritual warfare you're up against, you can't do it on your own, right? You have entities that were not commanded by way of review to rebuke territorial spirits, but they are oppressing and keeping and leading nations astray. So we need to pray all the more to say, God, you, Jesus, the one who is exalted above those powers, wreck shot. Do your work, right? And it's only through his delegated authority that we can engage the demonic realm on here. It's only through his power and resurrection through his spirit that we can crush the flesh. It's only through his word that we can discern and be transformed in our mind. It, right? There's, it, it, to, to say, I'm not going to live according to the patterns of the world. So he says, this thing is a threefold cord. Y'all remember what the threefold cord is? What is it that we're, that, that's coming against you? The flesh, devil, world okay so he says when that comes against you you got to draw on a strength of the one who is exalted above all of that to actually advance the kingdom of God and then he says now put on all the armor that is found in your union with Jesus when you're in Jesus you've entrusted your life to him he says you have access to all the victorious messianic armor that he put on to advance his kingdom as we saw in Isaiah 7 so he says when you put that on he says now you can stand and you can move forward and you can advance but here's the interesting thing he then goes on to prayer but he doesn't list any armor associated with prayer you notice that he doesn't say put on prayer like knee pads <laughs> right put on prayer some would say like a javelin but he doesn't associate anything with prayer and I think it's interesting because prayer is likened to the oil that graces the armor to work the way it's designated to work if you don't have oil in the armor, the armor is going gonna, gonna to be rusty and it's not going to move, right? It's not going to have the power needed. It's not going to be able to work the way that it needs to work. So he's saying prayer is the necessary essential oils for y'all essential oils folk, right? Essential oil to, to get us moving, to get us healthy, to, to move the armor that he's told us to put on. In other words, without prayer, the armor lacks vitality and it's out of place. Right? Lacks vitality. And then because prayer is the expression of deep dependence upon the Lord of verse, of verse 10. It, prayer expresses that I actually do need his strength to overcome this battle. Right. And so it's interesting at the it, So he he says it presses into Christ's power and provision with great joy, humility and anticipation. In this last part of the armor, he engages what we're going to call as we look at look at verse 18. He's going to engage this big picture summary of what we're going to call the allness of prayer. Okay, so look at verse 18. He kind of begins to start out saying, okay, now I need to lay out what this prayer, the significance of this prayer and what this prayer is. That's what it's going to cover today, right? So look at that, Look at verse 18. He says, pray at what times? All times in the spirit with what? Every prayer could be all prayer and request and stay alert with all pers perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Did you see the allness there? This is an all-encompassing prayer. He's emphasizing the fact that, if you could put it this way, the prayer life of an overcomer is never optional. Our prayer life, since the allness of prayer is the oil for your armor to animate it and give it power to do what it's designated to do in your union with Jesus, he says you need to realize that it's not optional. I mean, how often, I know for me, looking at my life, it's easy for me to functionally say prayer is optional. And, and you can tell by the rhythms of your life. What does prayer look like? And we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. But I think it's interesting because Paul is highlighting the significance of prayer because he understands not only the battle, but he understands that prayer actually works. Prayer actually works. So watch this. He says... Not only does prayer make gospel word effective, remember the sword of the spirit? The, it's the Holy Spirit that makes the sword of the spirit powerful and effective, 
right? It, that, it, and so not only does it make it, it effective, but it, oh, here's what it also does, is it, it's key for ministry advancement, okay? So not only does, does prayer make gospel word effective, but it is essential for ministry advancement. Look what Paul says. Paul had experienced, because here's the thing, Paul knew that, yeah, God is sovereign, but there are some things that God doesn't do unless his people are praying. Does that make sense? There are some things that God just does not do until his people pray. That doesn't knock God's sovereignty, but it calls, he says, I've given you humans a responsibility. When you're my new people, I've called you to engage, not just standing, but advancing the kingdom of God here on planet Earth to put on display together that they're defeated in the unseen realm. Are you tracking? I'm doing some summary here. Does this make sense? So he's saying, he's saying prayer is for the ministry advancement. Paul, so Paul doesn't just pray and tells them it's not optional because of this big picture of why you need it. But he says, I've seen it work. Look what he says. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.11. Look what Paul says. While you join in helping us by your prayers, helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. In other words, the Lord heard your prayers and something happened. <laughs> Look what else he says. Romans 15. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the, through the, one, uh, and through the same spirit to strive together with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. You see what he's saying there? Strive together in fervent prayers on my behalf. I need some prayer. That's what Paul is saying to, to the church in Rome, right? And he says, watch this. Pray that I may be rescued from uh, the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. Pray that some things actually happen, y'all. Does that make sense? Don't just pray general prayers. I need to get out of the hands of these unbelieving, the unbelievers in Judea because of some things that God has before me. This, this makes sense. So he says, he says, that's one. Then he goes, out, look at this, Philippians 1.19. Because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. He's in prison in, 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 uh, when he's writing to the church of Philippi. He's in, he's in prison. So he's saying, because I know that this will lead to my salvation, being freed to do what God will have him to do through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul is not just saying, you need to pray because this battle is beyond what you could do and you need to express dependence on the Lord. But I'm asking you for prayer because I know prayer practically works. Do you believe that prayer works? Do you believe that when you pray specific prayers that God is actually doing something? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, for Daniel... Daniel, it took 21 days for, the, for, for the, 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 the prince to come and to answer his prayer, but the Lord heard his prayer. So there's specific prayers. Look what, look what A.T. Person says. He joins Paul when he writes this. Every new Pentecost has had its preparatory period of supplement, of waiting for endowment, and sometimes the time of tearing has been lengthened from 10 days to as many weeks, months, and even years. But never has there been an outpouring of the divine spirit from God without a precious outpouring of the human spirit to God. Make sense? We can't just say, revive us, Lord, and then we live our own lives and we never pray. And we're so busy. We're so busy. We're trying to make it. We're trying to build our resume. And this is all good. We're going to have economic development down the road as a church. But if we're so busy and we're just, Lord, I want to see this, all these human strategies, sometimes he's like, He's like, you're praying for revival, but you're not pouring out your spirit to me. So how, so it's almost as if like, if we're not living functional lives of dependence, why would God entrust revival to us? There's, there's something about stewarding the little that we have and learning dependence on the Lord where we are. It's expressed through prayer. That then God, however he sees fit in his sovereignty, decides at some point to say, now you're ready. So I think it's a good evaluation to say he's saying, here's what else he says. 
He says, prayer has been the preparation for every new triumph. And so if greater triumphs and successes in the gospel, I might add, for kingdom advancement lie before us, more fervent and faithful praying must be their forerunner and herald. And so it's, it's, it's like this. The allness of prayer, when we evaluate, we know, and Paul is teaching them, and in teaching us the significance of prayer. And yet here's the interesting thing. This allness of prayer and evaluating and saying, Holy Spirit, show me where I am in this, is the best indicator of how you're functionally living out chapter 6, verse 10. If the allness of prayer is not quite a part of our life, then it's clear that we're not relying on the strength of the Lord. So we can love verse 10, and we can love the armor, but we got to begin to evaluate where we are in our prayer lives. Because this is the true indicator of whether we're really getting the strength of the Lord. So he says, a life without prayer is an impotent life that is depending on an insufficient source. Sit in that for a minute. Say about that. A life without prayer is an impotent life that is depending on an insufficient source. All right? It's kind of like this. Y'all remember the Batman and Superman? Y'all remember Batman versus Superman? Did anybody see that? It was terrible. What's that? The Lego, no, no, the real one. Did any, who saw the Batman versus Superman? It was horrible. So yeah, yeah, it was horrible. But let me, it, it has a dope example. Y'all can get this example. Here's the thing. There's a fight when they're fighting, right? Batman versus Superman. All this mess, right? But here's the thing. There's one point where they're fighting and Batman has his like crazy, whatever it is, ironclad suit and all this kind of stuff, but Superman's tearing him up, right? Like, Batman doesn't stand a chance in, in this battle, but what happens is that Batman is smart, he's witty, so he takes, he takes a, a, a grenade launcher and shoots it at Superman, and Superman, like, haha, I got it, grabs it, but then kryptonite explodes in his face, right? And so as it explodes in his face, he starts coughing, he's inhaling this stuff, and all of a sudden what you see is you start to take the kryptonite taking form in his body and and as it's taking form he stands up squares up to batman and goes to punch him and batman blocks the punch and you're like what is going on here and then then batman proceeds to beat him and clobber him like literally takes him down and you're wondering what is happening in this eventually the kryptonite begins to wear off and as batman is is punching superman the, the man of steel begins to come in and he can't do anything else. And Superman begins to take over. And I think it's an interesting illustration about a prayerless life. When our life is prayerless, we can have all the armor on. We can look like Superman. We can have the tights on. We can have the cape on. We can have the little curl. We can have all that kind of stuff, right? But it, when our prayer life fails... We start getting hit by the enemy, and we're like, why is the armor not working? I'm supposed to be an overcomer in the battle, but the issue is we've grown weak because a prayerless life is a kryptonite life. And sometimes God is like, no, 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 come back. Like, I want to show you that you need to be, in order for you to be battle ready, you got to have a prayer life. It's essential to overcome in the battle. And so what is prayer? How do we understand prayer in the battle? What does battle-ready prayer look like? Y'all ready to see this? It's important. Three points, three simple points. In verse, uh, in, uh, verse 18, beginning of it, look what he says. The first point for battle-ready prayer is that battle-ready prayer needs to be aligned with the Spirit. Battle-ready prayer needs to be aligned with the Spirit. Look what he says. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request or would be supplication. So stop there. It says pray in the Spirit. It's an interesting thing. Y'all heard that before? Like I'm in the Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit. And it's kind of like what does that mean? What does it mean to be praying in the spirit, right? Jude talks about this as we'll look as well. But it's interesting about 
uh, when Paul says praying in the spirit, some have suggested that this is praying in tongues. Some have suggested that praying in the spirit is the association of filled with the spirit speaking in tongues. Whereas we see some of that in Acts, but it had a redemptive purpose. I'll explain that later on, right? But filled with the Spirit is filled with the fruit of the Spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what else? Self-control. Self-control. Ooh, that's an important one, right? Passions, getting out of flesh, and self-control says, come here. We got to have, like, like there's a filling of the spirit, and we'll talk through that, is a daily dependence upon the spirit of God. This is different. You could be speaking in the gift of tongues and not filled with the spirit of God, like in Corinth. Right? So the indicator that you're filled with the spirit is not necessarily speaking in tongues, although there is a gift for that, and we'll get into that. But it doesn't mean, it, it means that your character begins to emulate the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? So, so filled with the Spirit, he says, look, praying in the Spirit, some would say it's speaking in tongues. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. While I believe in the gift of tongues when properly discerned, because sometimes some of the spirits could be doctrines of demons for self-glorification. That's why you have to discern. Amen? Y'all with me? Right? So you got it. There's when, when properly discerned and used for its purpose, edification of the body. But he says that's not what Paul is talking about right here. Paul is talking about praying in the spirit. And here's another reason why it can't, it can't be right here praying in the spirit is praying in the tongues. Because not every believer has the gift of tongues based on 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Not everybody has that gift. So it can't be praying in tongues. It has to be something else. This, this is because every believer is commanded to do this in this passage, right? Praying in the Spirit. It's, it's a call for every believer. And so the, the reason, um, uh, well, there is, so let me get down to here. So it, it's, it's the context for the call of the believer is to consider the role of the Holy Spirit. And so for us to look at what he might be getting at, let's look through this real quick in Ephesians. Let me do a summary real quick. Let me just teach on this real quick. Ephesians 1.13, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Let's track through this real quick. If you have them on your phones, go there. Ephesians 1.13, I'm going to summarize this. He says, in him you were sealed in him, in Christ, with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit seals us in Christ. Okay? He seals us. In other words, when we realize we're broken and we need Jesus... The Holy Spirit shows us our sin, convicts us of sin, judgment, and righteousness, and he gives us the grace to see Jesus for who he is. We turn to Jesus for who he is, and, and Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says he seals us with the Holy Spirit as a guaranteed deposit that if you're in Jesus, you have an inheritance. Okay, So he sees us. He puts the kingdom brand on believers through the blood of Christ sealed in the Holy Spirit. Make sense? So the Holy Spirit seals us in Christ. He, he takes us and literally union means he dips us in the death of Christ. Y'all see that? When you literally, when we take communion and we hold out that bread, we see his body broken. Guess what? Like but Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified what? With Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I literally, the Holy Spirit, boom, puts us, puts me on the cross when Jesus died for me. Then the Holy Spirit takes me and baptizes me and resurrects me with Christ. That's why Paul says in, in the beginning, you are seated with him in the heavens. Are you tracking with me? So when he says you're seated with me in the heavens, it's because the Holy Spirit lives in believers that have put you in the death of Christ, baptized you in the death of Christ, identified you with the death of Christ. You're counted dead to sin and resurrects you to where you are sitting in Christ in heaven because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Are y'all tracking with that? That's very important when we think about what this means when you trust Jesus, that's what's happening. That's all that God is working by the Spirit. Because here's what else. Summarize what we just said, Ephesians 2.18. The Holy Spirit gives us access in Christ to God. Because he unites us with Christ. Ephesians 2.22, it says, he builds us together for God's dwelling. 
Remember, he takes all different people, places us in the same body, and says your identifier is that the Holy Spirit has united you with Jesus, and now you're his. You're his people. 3.5 says this. The Holy Spirit reveals the mystery of Christ to us. We couldn't come up with plan of salvation. It didn't make sense for us. But the Holy Spirit, he reveals Jesus. But then also, look at this, Ephesians 4.30. It says, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be grieved. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Right? It's not like Star Wars Force. Right? The Holy Spirit is he. He works the will of God in our lives. Here's what he says. That's why he says in 5.18, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As Hunja preached a couple weeks ago, in other words, this means you need to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the functional reign of Jesus in your life. If you're not full of the Spirit, Christ is not reigning practically in your life. So if we're not praying in the Spirit then it could be that we're offline and misaligned with what God is having us to do. Okay, so here, here's the thing. He says in Galatia, um, Romans 8.15 says this. Instead, you didn't receive a spirit of, of fear, right? And going back to oppression, he says, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Holy Spirit cries out. He says, he says look what I've done. I've, I've united you with Jesus. I've united with his resurrection. You're in him and now you're my child. And the Holy Spirit begins to cry out, Abba, Father. And, and he begins to testify together with our spirit that we are God's children. Sometimes you need to just hear that when the enemy's coming at you, right? You are God's children if you're in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is, is working that in you. Look at Galatians 4, 6. Bear with me on these. And because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit works up within us. He, he brings us in Christ to where we can appeal to God as Father. Father, it's the son, and look at the image of the son beginning to realize that, wow, you got my back. You have a plan for moving this, and I need your help on this. He crying out, look at Jude 20, uh, but you, dearest friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So here's a summary of this. Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus Christ, shows us Jesus Christ, builds us in Jesus Christ, leads us to represent Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is doing, right? Since it is the Holy Spirit who is doing all this in God's plan of salvation, then he's also guiding our prayer life to be consistent with the advancement of God's redemptive plan. If he orchestrated all this stuff we talked about, we need him to orchestrate our prayer life. Because we need him to teach us how to cry out and pray for the advancement of the kingdom of God and not our personal kingdoms and agendas. That makes sense? He, it's almost as if he's saying praying in the spirit is to be surrendered to and led by the will of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's antithesis to praying in the flesh. It's, it's saying, Lord... I, 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 I need you to lead me because, as Scripture will say later on in Romans 8, I don't know what to pray for. But, but sometimes the Spirit will just give you a groaning. Some may write, and you don't have words to express it. But I need Holy Spirit to, to groan within me and to make my prayers make sense to God. Because I'm weak. I'm broken. I'm in a world that I don't get it. And so, and yet I'm trying to pray, but I just don't have the strength to do it, Lord. Help me, Lord. And what we're doing is we're being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Make sense of what you desire in this situation because I just don't get it. Right? It's don't stop the conversation with the living God because it doesn't make sense. Praying in the Spirit is even dependent upon the Holy Spirit for your prayer life. 
Do you see how dependent this is? In every moment, God, I need you. Sometimes that's the greatest prayer. Help. How many of y'all have that in your prayer life where you just have no other words, but it's help. Y'all been there? I got to go to the back of the house sometimes when it's struggling with the kids and they're growing. I love them. But sometimes you go and say, help me, Lord. Does that make sense? Like, see, that's a dependent prayer because you're saying, I don't have the strategy at this moment. I don't know what to do at this moment. Help me. That's part of praying in the Spirit. Make sense? Because you're the, and I need your guidance. So here he says, here's another thing. Not only is it just letting the Holy Spirit is groaning and, and he's leading you and guiding you and you're learning. Here's another thing. Since he inspired the scriptures, right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God. The Holy Spirit wrote the word of God through these authors over thousands of years, and it all has one redemptive plan. If he could orchestrate all that, he can orchestrate your prayer life <laughs> to be aligned with the plan he's orchestrating and that, that he's, he's breathing out and doing the plan of the Father. The Son acts it out, and the Holy Spirit is applying this thing. If he's doing that, he can orchestrate your prayer life. So they say, so how do I start with that? Well, if he inspired the word of God, let's start praying the word of God. Does that make sense? Novel idea, but praying the word of God back to God. If the spirit of God inspired the word of God, part of praying in the spirit is spend a significant amount of time actually memorizing the word of God and pray it back to God. Is that a part of our prayer lives where we spend time in the word of God and instead of just taking in information, we begin to pray it back to God. Right? I, one thing I... I want us to look at in, in this process is, um, is look at, if you haven't gotten this CCB journal, I want us to get real practical and go into the new year. If you haven't picked up one of these, please do and start working through it. It's a simple quadrant area to help you take a, a, a specific chapter and apply it and begin to pray through it. So we got these free from the church for everybody, if you don't have one, please grab one in the back because I want us to look at, we need to look at what does this look like for the Holy Spirit to actually guide our prayer life. First is start praying scripture. I want us every day going into 2020 praying scripture back to God. Because then we start building up the, the mind of Christ and we start grasping what that is. And so as the Holy Spirit leads you into other areas, right, then you have discernment about how do you pray in the Spirit. You need to be rooted in the Word of God. Okay? So, so look at that. Not only is it praying the Scripture, but it's relying upon Him to guide every single one of our prayers. And so then he says, he says while, you're, while you're beginning to build up your understanding of the Word of God... Pray the scriptures back to God. Uh, then you're going to have a sense of groaning at times when you don't have words to say and you're having a hard time seeing scripture. It's this honest, let the spirit guide you on that. And, and he says, this is not, he says, the way that you pray in the spirit is with every prayer, with every prayer. So he's saying, pray in the spirit with every prayer. Look at what Mark, Mark Bubek says. I'm going to read this real quick. In 175. He says this, if you haven't got this, it's a great book on warfare praying, y'all. I encourage you to get it. Um, but he says this, he says, when he lays all kinds of prayers and supplications, here's what he says. There is silent prayer, an audible prayer, prayer without ceasing, prayer that terminates, public prayer, private prayer, short prayer, extended prayer, fasting prayer, feasting prayer, prayer with one's actions and prayer with one's words, rejoicing prayer, broken prayer. Right? I want to hand on that. The lamenting prayer, thanksgiving prayer, petitioning prayer, doctrinal prayer, emotional prayer, resisting the enemy prayer, standing with the Lord prayer. There are so many types of prayers. And he says, pray in the spirit with all prayers. There is no limitation on what does prayer look like. For some of it's going to be, it's going to be a silent word in a season. Sometimes, like Mother, Mother Teresa said, when she did all her work in Calcutta, she would spend, I think it was two to three hours every morning in God's presence. And one time a reporter came up to her and says, what does he say to you? 
What do you talk about? And she says, most of the time, nothing. I just enjoy being in his presence. Do we enjoy being in his presence? Or are we too busy? So he's so all types of prayers are, I'm full and I got it. Yay. It's waking up in the morning, brushing your teeth. Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus, you're king. Fill me with your spirit. I got to get the kids to school. <laughs> That's all prayers. Don't feel bad about that. Other times it's like, I got to get away and I need an hour of just listening to Jesus. I got 50 books to read. I got all this stuff to do. I got all this grocery shopping to do. I got eh, your whole list goes on. But you know what? I need to get 30 minutes of just being still with Jesus. It's all types of prayers. Praying in the spirit is with all types of prayers. And it's important for us to do that. And, and so here's the thing about, in other words, it, prayer in the spirit is not always in the right location. It's not always the candle in front of you. It's not always like I got the right seat. I got my drink. I, it, it's, it's not always the right situation. You always don't feel emotionally ready for prayer. <laughs> do you? I don't. Right? So all this of prayer assumes that you're going to have situations where you're not going to want to pray. And so Paul is freeing them up to say, dude, I need y'all to pray in the spirit with all kinds of prayers. Because you're going to be in all kinds of situations. They're going to need the, the oil from above to get the lubricate the armor because it's a struggle. Right? And God is like, I, I got you on it. But the key thing is that the time in the prayer, the type of situation is led by the Spirit through the believer who is in particular situations that prompts expression toward the God of heaven and earth. You're in situations where the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, is listening and guiding, and it prompts you to say, help! Or, God, I thank you for your goodness. Right? There's, it's all types of prayers. In other words, he's saying, look, as the Holy Spirit leads you, church, pray. He, he's going to prompt you, pray. It's those moments when you want to turn Netflix on, and I've been here, and the Lord just has you. Come on. Get some time with me. I want to speak to you. And you feel, and you sense his presence, and you sense his goodness, and sometimes you got to say, I'm not going to watch tonight and I'm going to go be with Jesus. That's part of not quenching the spirit of God. Because he wants to get some stuff and imprint some things in your life, on your soul, so that you could be focused in what he needs you to do and calling you to do for his glory. What he wants you to do, what he's calling you to. For instance, when I, was, I remember years ago, we were in Baltimore at a conference. And, um, and so went out there with some of the staff from Epiphany and we were getting ready and boom, boom, all this stuff. That night, the night before the conference began, the Lord, like, I woke up at 3 a.m. and I could not go back to sleep. And at first I was frustrated. Y'all know those days you wake up, and this is not because the kids woke up, right? That's actually kind of a cool little one, like, hey, how you doing, you know, especially Carmela. But, um, but it's that time where it's like, man, like, what is happening? Here's the thing. In the midst of my frustration, um, God began to arrest my attention and that was some of the most, like for the next four hours, all I did was he drew me into a time of just reading scripture, journaling, listening, praying, surrendering, being with him, enjoying communion with him, trusting that he's going to give me strength for the next day. But being that he is trying to get my attention, the Holy Spirit was arresting my attention. And finally, by God's grace, in submitting and surrendering, it was the richest time. But here's why it was important. That next morning, this was when we were getting ready to get ready to pray about Epiphany LA and all the planting process. That next morning, when I got up, we had all the homies there. I'm an extrovert. I want to be where, the, where my people are. I want to talk with them. I want to love. We're going to get lunch together, right? And so as I'm getting ready, the Lord, even when I woke up, well, didn't wake up, but when I got up, I didn't want to stop. So I went down, and everyone's getting breakfast. I went down and said, I'm going to get up, and I'm just going to read. I kept reading, kept praying, all right? And then they went and got this. I walked. They got some food over there. And, but it, the whole day, here's the interesting thing. When it came to lunchtime, there was an optional, uh, a, like a seminar type thing where they're going to cast vision on church planning, right? And normally I would have gone with all the other pastors and friends, and we go to eat, right? But the Lord had imprinted on my soul to where I knew that I got to go there even if it's by myself. And when I went there, the Lord began to cast vision 
for what I'd been dreaming of and praying for years. And I had not seen it in the previous ministry, what I was praying for. And tears as I'm hearing vision of church planting and global movements and church planting, tears just run down my face. And I'm like, I have to do this. Because God will invite you to times away to pray in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Don't quench His leading. He has things He's calling you and us as a church to do. And if we ignore Him, we will miss some of the imprints. We'll be distracted. I would have gone to lunch, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but I would have missed some godly resolve and tears being shed over passion for the gospel of the kingdom that I wouldn't have seen had I ignored the Holy Spirit and had he let me go back to sleep. Does this make sense? Praying in the Spirit is God's invitation to, be commun to commune with him, to be present with him, to love him, and to obey him. Let me ask us this. What would it look like for you to recognize ways to pray by the Spirit in your life? Where do you need to start praying through Scripture? Where is one step for you to take in praying through Scriptures going into this year? What does it look like to pay attention to the invitations of the Holy Spirit? That could be depression, awakened at night, interruptions in sleep. Right? Sometimes those interruptions are the Lord's trying to get your attention. Maybe, maybe it's just you drank too much caffeine, right? But you got to pay attention and begin to utilize those opportunities to do that. Maybe it's um, success in work or ministry is an opportunity for you to pay attention to ways to worship. All right? So the first step to being led by the Spirit is to pray through the scriptures and listen to his guidance. It's a big thing coming in here. But if we don't think, so here's another thing. He says, so we need to be aligned with the Spirit of God. That's part of praying in the Spirit. But then the second thing is we need to be attentive to the needs of the saints. Look what he says. Not only are you praying in the Spirit with all types of prayers, but you need to stay alert or keep awake with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Is what he says. He says, look at this. Be persistent in your prayers for the saints. This assumes that you're actually attentive to the needs of one another. You see how he's taking not just praying in the spirit for your own self, but praying in the spirit will lead you into the spirit's work of God's redemptive plan. And that means you begin to pray beyond yourself. You begin to pray beyond what you think you just need to do in your life. Your prayers become more than just your personal day. It, it, it begins to say, uh, 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 praying in the spirit is, is spending time with the people of God knowing what the needs are. You can't pray for one another that well if we don't know each other. Right? Like, the more we get to know each other, the more we know areas we can pray for. And then this is what the Lord does. He will wake you up. He will arrest your attention at work and bring that person to memory. And then you will start interceding for that person. You will start praying for that person. You will start seeing what God would have you to do for that person. I, I, I remember, here, here's something that's interesting. I love the story of Barnabas. Barnabas was cool because Barnabas saw the bigger picture. When Barnabas in chapter 11, Barnabas saw revival happenings. A couple things with Barnabas. Barnabas saw Saul when he came to know Jesus and would become Paul... Everybody was pushing against Barnabas. I mean, uh, against Paul. Like, no, he was killing us. He was headhunting us. That doesn't make sense. Barnabas took him in and said, no, I see grace at work. Why? Because Barnabas was full of the spirit, Acts 11 says. Barnabas was full of the spirit of God so he could see what God desired to do in the midst of brokenness. He, and not only that, but watch this. Barnabas was full of the spirit when he went to Antioch. And he saw what God was doing in a, in a new area that was a crazy area that wasn't just a Jewish area. It was unfamiliar territory. Barnabas, full of the spirit, went there and saw that. And then guess what? He brings the very guy, Paul, in to be the teaching 
knowing that he was about God's agenda because Paul would supersede him in ministry. But Barnabas wasn't concerned about his own agenda. He wasn't concerned about just praying for his kingdom to come. He was concerned because of the Holy Spirit. He was concerned about what God cared about. And that means I need to see the way God sees. That means this is bigger than me. I need to see what's going on in each other's lives. I need to be praying and attend to the Holy Spirit. When he brings someone to my mind, don't just ignore it. When he says, call that person, don't quench him. Text or call your brother or sister because there's probably a need that the Holy Spirit wants to put forth to bring consolation in the gospel to someone who is going through something crazy. Do you see why we need to be praying in the Spirit? Because I can't fathom this. I can't read your mind. I don't have telepathic, intellectual, mind-reading ability. But the Holy Spirit searches the depth of God. He knows our brokenness. He knows all that's happening. It, it, here, let me give an example of that. Here's a story of this. There's a dude named Tom White. Tom White, I was reading the Voice of the Martyrs the other day. Shout out to Richard with his love for Vom. Um, Tom White was sentenced to prison in 20 years in Cuba for preaching the gospel. In this prison, he was placed in a cold box for one week, which was designed to keep prisoners from sleeping. His mom was at home praying for him that God would give him rest. And against all odds, Tom actually slept in that cold freezer area. That's what God does because she saw, I need to pray for a specific need that I know my son is struggling with. And I'm going to pray believing that the God of heaven has prompted me to pray like this and is doing something and God did. And this is what I think the question, are we attentive enough to each other to be praying for each other? Honestly, y'all, I've been so encouraged by the body at that. Like, y'all have been, like, such a blessing in recognizing needs and seeking to meet them. And I want to encourage you, like Paul did the church of Thessalonica, let's excel all the more. Let's pay attention to Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit works, like, let's be a spirit-filled people who are surrendered to Christ and saying, Holy Spirit, lead and guide my prayers with all prayers. Because we need you to bombard this community and this city and our land with something that is of you. We need you to make gospel application ready. Because here's the thing, is that as we're praying for one another, the Holy Spirit doesn't just stop there, but he's going, leading the church on mission with Christ. And then he says, look in verse 19 and 20, praying in the Spirit is also aware of missional advancements. Look what he says in 19 through 20. It's aware of missional advancements. Pray also for me, Paul says, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Paul says, pray that I might use the sword of the Spirit correctly. Pray that the Spirit might make it powerful and effective. Here's the interesting thing. After all these years of preaching the gospel, Paul, you would, you would dub Paul probably an expert. He was an expert in the law before Jesus got him. Now he sees Messiah, Jesus, fulfilling everything. And now he's going out and he's doing some nice little gospel-type creativity with people. So you would imagine Paul would be like, I got this. I've preached the gospel for this long. I got it. But what does he say? Paul says, no, I need you to pray for me. Because unless the Spirit of God makes this plain, it'll be gibberish. I need him to bring clarity, and I need him to bring courage to me. Because it doesn't matter how many times I speak the gospel, I'm in new environments that are intimidating. And if I'm in the flesh, I will compromise. If I'm in the flesh, I won't preach the gospel clearly. If I'm in the flesh, it can't make sense. I can't communicate the way I need to. Lord, help me to make this word plain today. Because I've never faced this situation. But I know the Holy Spirit, the God who has, who has empowered me to make the gospel plain and to call people to enjoy what I enjoy in Jesus. If Paul needed that, 
How much more is God calling us to say, are you depending on the Lord to give you the grace to make the gospel plain in creative, clear, courageous ways everywhere we go? Y'all, we're going to do, like, we're going to unfold 2020, and we're going to serve, and we're going to be present, and we're going to listen, praying that God will redeem the image of the church to show what God wants to do. And yet, here's the thing. If we never open our mouths, we don't give the gospel. So God is saying, he's saying, y'all, there is a need to pray, God, I need you because I'm scared. I don't know how to do it here. While we're studying, we need to study to show ourselves approved. But can we learn to rely upon the Holy Spirit and praying that God will make that plain? I remember, it, it, and, and it's, it's what Paul has is, Paul has this thing I want to call missional burden. What God stirs in you beyond yourself, I'm going to call it a missional burden. Here's what missional burdens. Paul had a burden to this sense of, woe if I don't preach the gospel. If I don't preach this gospel to the ends of the known world, then woe is me. In fact, Paul says, I'm in prison as an ambassador. That would have been humiliating for most ambassadors. But Paul said, the one who called me to represent his kingdom said I would be go through much persecution. Since I'm going to go through much persecution, even when they told me later on in Acts that the man who wears this belt is going to go through much persecution in Jerusalem, Paul's like, so? That's a part of my call. See, because he was a man that was full of the Spirit that was about fulfilling what God called him to do. He was willing to go and say, I know that's coming. That's not news for me. Jesus told me that was going to be a part of my ministry. But if he wasn't full of the Spirit, he'd be like, oh, hiding under this prophetic word that says, oh, maybe I should save my life and just do some ministry over here. Paul had a missional burden that says it doesn't matter what I'm going to go through. God will give me the grace to fulfill it, to make the gospel clear, and to be courageous in proclaiming his name to the nations. And so he goes with the missional burden Hey, I can't shake this. Woe is me if I don't do this. What is your missional burden? I think sometimes we're so distracted by the clutter. I'm telling you, this prayer and fasting, like I'm not, I'm going to get back on social media, but I'm not rushing. I'm like, gosh, I get to be in God's presence more. I get to be present with my kids more, my wife. I get to be with y'all and listen on the phone. What, you know, and so I'm going to re-engage, but I'm like, I got to do it differently because God is stirring a burden that in a lot of ways I was distracted by so much stuff to do. Where is your distraction that the Holy Spirit is knocking? Because he wants to develop. He's given each of y'all things to do based on Ephesians 2.10 that you need to walk in. But if we are not a people that are saying, Lord, I want to be praying in the spirit and I want to have a missional resolve from this that says I need a burden. What is your burden? If you don't have a burden coming in 2020, like ask the Lord, what is your clutter? What needs to be decluttered in your life? What distractions are keeping you from us together praying toward that end of God advancing his kingdom through the church and through the individuals in the church walking with Jesus in our city? What is your clutter? Let's let this year, letting Jesus begin to declutter some of these things. And you will start praying things like, I remember, I just want to show you real quick on Total Life because we're probably going to introduce this again. Total Life is our summer camp, right, where we have all these different types of things. I remember the first time, the first year we were going to host this, um, we, were, we were trying to figure out, Marissa was going to the location, and no one was ever there, and then we heard, no, we can't do it. And so, so I remember just going home being like, I, like we can't not do this. I don't know how God is going to do this, but we can't not do this. So as I'm driving home, it's, I was like, I got I to gotta go. I started praying Nehemiah prayers, and, and, and as I'm praying, praying Nehemiah prayers, in other words, prayers like this, like, Lord, I need you to foil the plans of the evil one. Lord, I need you to dispense resources in a way that we don't even see it. I don't know how you're going to do it. But as I get there, literally, I drive up, and we had never met the directors. This is at the Rancho Cienega uh, area. I never met the directors at this point. 
Um, and so as I go up, the first time as I go to the door, I meet a gentleman who's at the door and I ask him questions, come to find out that guy was the director. Not only was he the director, but he's friends with one of my friends who used to play in the NFL from Dorsey. And so I'm like, man, who helped us think through and, and the idea and start it? And he says, oh, this is the second year, sorry. But then he says, then he says, um, he says, oh, yeah. And so that connection between him being at the door and my friend knowing him, he says, okay, yeah, let me connect you with my program director. And that, from that moment on, we were good on the Total Life Camp. But up until that point, it's like sometimes God is like, things won't happen. But if you have a burden, you just pray some crazy prayers. And you're like, Lord, I need your kingdom to come. I don't know how you're going to do this. We don't have the resources, but we want to see some lives change. We want to see some people come to know Jesus. So we're just going to go by faith, and I need you to do something. And as you walk in there, you watch God begin to do stuff. And then it's not for your agenda because he doesn't do certain things because you want to spend it on your own pleasures. He's refining you in that process. But as you keep praying, as you're spending time in the word, as we're in community together, the Holy Spirit begins to refine us and our prayers begin to align with the missional burden that God desires for each of you and for us as a church. Can we press in to that this coming year? Can we be a people that are saying, I'm going to be a praying people because we need the Lord to do some crazy things. I want to end with this. I want to give us a few goals. Here's some things I want us to be praying for going into this year. Let me put those up there real quick. Oh, yeah, here, here we go. Um, let me give these goals and then we're going to do that. Here's some goals, some basic goals for next year I want us to be praying about. Based on what the Lord is doing, we need to, and our leadership is working on this, and you're going to be hearing more. But I need us praying that God will give us the grace to build out uh, the children's ministry that Hunja's leading. Hunja's killing it, doing a phenomenal job. And now as we build this out, we need to accommodate. They're going to be working on, that team is going to be working on expanding for more classes for more kids because we're having more and more kids coming in. So I need us praying for that. I need you praying for Hunja and, and the team. I, I need you praying for the children's ministry that God will give unlimited resources to do what God would desire to see our kids hear about Jesus over and over. Not only that, we're going to build out our music ministry. Uh, as, I pray for Will and Fatima as they build that out. I need musicians. I need singers. I need us praying for that because as we grow and develop, we want to continue to facilitate a Psalm 150 uh, banging the drums and, and the trumpets and the everything, right? Making a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen? So I need us praying for that. Can you pray for Fatima and Will for the music ministry? Amen? So I need us praying for that. I need us to build out our community outreach and strategic partnerships, our partnership here with the Y, as we have relationship with Jim Gilliam, the park over there, as we're building this new relationship uh, with this, this uh, organization we're going to be introducing that Ellie and Jade are working out right now. I need us to build out, pray for Ellie and Jade as they lead that. And also we're going to be laying out how we can engage, what I'm going to show here, our communities with gospel engagement. We're going to break that down, and we're going to have apologetics. We're going to have equipping times. We're going to have training times. And we are going to go after our community and our city this next year. But I need us to pray. Some of this stuff needs to be broken down by the power of the gospel through the people of God praying. Can we commit to praying for these things this year? Build out the necessary infrastructure for leadership stability and multiplication. So we're going to need, I'm going to be, I still raise a lot of support after church for coming to community members. We're going to have a quick update on finances. But I'm raising a lot of support, and I need us to continue to give because we've got to build out some infrastructure to take the next steps, okay? So I need us praying for that. Um, but then we need to refine our care and benevolence ministry within the church, okay? And so we're going to be breaking that down. So please pray for those things. We'll continue to reiterate them. But I need us praying for that. Can you join us in praying on that? Can we do that together? Now, here's the thing I want us to look at. The prayer life of an overcomer is never optional. Here's three things, if we can summarize this text. What I want to encourage us to do this year, coming up in 2020. The one, first one, it's aligned with the Spirit. Um, hold on one second. Let me do it. Let me do it this way. Um, 
This is where there's three things, and we'll send this out to you guys. I'll put this on the email. But the goal is <clears throat> I want us to become aware of three areas in each other's lives. So I want us to build this out in life communities, and I want us to do this when you get dinners together, when you spend time together. I want us to build out three things. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Thank you so much, y'all. So I'm going to name it the grind, gospel clarity, and guts. Okay, if you need the G's, the grind, gospel clarity, and guts. So I need us to know what are practical life situations in someone else in the church. What is a practical life situation? Do this at Life Community when you pray in your clusters afterwards. What's a practical life situation you could be praying for each other? And then I need to have practical gospel engagement in areas of life. Praying for gospel clarity for one another in your neighborhoods. Okay, we're going to be kind of enacting that next year. Okay, pray for gospel clarity. Pray for your neighborhoods. Pray for people at your work. Okay? Pray for people that don't know Jesus around you. Get to know the names where it's appropriate with other people that you're praying with and pray that God will give them the grace to have gospel opportunities. Okay? But the third one is practical courage to clearly communicate the gospel. In other words, pray for each other's guts. I need some boldness. Pray for boldness for each other. Okay? So I, as we go into this year, this is a little bit more of a kind of a practical stuff. But I need us to be praying for these things. We need to be lifting this up. And I want us doing these three, the grind, gospel clarity, and guts this year with each other. Okay? I want us to get each other's lives so that we're building up in the word of God. We're building up knowing one another. And we're saying, God, when you awake me, why am I awake?